Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as always, I am your host, Michael Sherlock. That is when I know how to pronounce my own name. And lately I've been having some fun with that as well. But as you know, all month long, we are talking about the magic of marketing, how all it takes is a little magical pixie dust to spread all over your business and people will knock down your doors and hand you money. Or perhaps you actually just have to work harder and make sure you have some systems. And my guest today, I'm not going to just, I'm just not going to say this, like I say, you know, with a lot of people, like, I can't wait for you to meet this guest, but I know you're going to love this guest because I love her dearly. And uh, we go way back now for many, many things related to books, which I know we're going to talk about. But my guest today is Kate Colbert. By the way, she's my publisher. She's an accomplished marketer, speaker, market research, communications consultant. She does way too many things. She's president and founder of Silver Tree Communications, which is a, a market research and business communications institute that specializes in helping clients to use strategic storytelling to acquire and retain more customers. Also, she's also, you know, does a lot of other things with that. Like she's the author of the acclaimed book, Think Like a Marketer, How a Shift in Mindset Can Change Everything for Your Business. And those of you watching on the video version will see it in the background. And don't worry, we're going to make sure you see it and hear a lot about it. Um, when this debuted, it was in the top 1% of all business marketing books on Amazon and is now available in multiple formats and languages. I've loved it every time. She's like, now it's being published in, I don't even know how many languages so far. She's one of the world's preeminent authorities on gathering and interpreting customer insights. And I'll tell you, not only does she work with brands big and small, uh, domestic and international, but she works with top 50 research universities progressive private colleges, law schools, law firms, medical schools, and healthcare systems. And she helps them not only oh, those also fortune 500 companies and startups, but she helps them to really show their data in a way that is incredibly compelling and tells a story in and of itself. Some of the stories she tells me just blow my mind. She uh, speaks regularly, you know, locally, globally, Perhaps since the pandemic, she's, you know, maybe been a little bit more local, but really since the beginning of the pandemic, she's counseled entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to pandemic proof their businesses. And I'll tell you, we've had more than one, 10, five, a hundred conversations about this since then, <laughs> and really about how to do it in a way that's innovative, helps us to communicate effectively during a crisis. And as we said in the beginning, that she's also the founder and owner of Silver Tree Publishing, which is a unique, oh gosh, and incredibly collaborative book publishing company. And I am so thankful that she is the publisher of my two books thus far, and will be the publisher of every one of my books thus far, if I uh, have my say in it. And uh, so with all that being said, you're all probably exhausted because her resume goes on, but we're only going to hit those highlights. Kate, Thank you so much for joining us today. Ah, uh, thank you so much for having me back. It's always fun. 
Don't you don't you hate sitting there when people are going through your your bio and you're like, oh, why do they keep talking? And then you you're know, like, wait, how did I do all those things? Well, exactly. And actually, it is a nice reminder, I think, for those of us who get really wrapped up in the work and taking care of our clients, um, of what we've achieved and you know, where we've been um, and the impact that we've we've had. And so, no, it feels a little nice. Yeah, it is. In fact, it's funny. I was um, interviewing somebody else uh, earlier today and we were talking about, you know, credibility and, and, you know, why it's important to be in different publications and things like that. And after we got done, um, she and I were visiting and I said, you know, it's interesting. I just sent my bio off to, uh, to my, you know, a speaking gig I'm going to be doing live and in person uh, soon, which I'm so excited about. And I said, you know, I was, I was listening to you. I forgot totally to put something about, you know, that was about me credibly wise. And she's like, oh yeah, weren't you just picked as like number 12 of the top 100 female entrepreneurs to watch in 2021? I'm like, yeah. And I totally forgot to put that on my bio. <laughs> See, that's great though. I mean, that's one of the reasons I've always loved working with you is that, you know, that you live in the here and now and you take care of the people you're committed to serve. Um, and that sort of authenticity and humility always really shows. So I've always oh, loved that about you. Thank you. And then sometimes I just, you know, forget about myself in the process, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, I know you do so many different things. I know we're going to talk about a lot of things. I definitely want to talk about, you know, book publishing and what that does for people's marketing of themselves and credibility as well. But, you know, tell us, you know, I hit the highlights of your bio, but tell us really about you, your different companies and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Yeah, you know, I think um, the easiest way to think about me and the things that I do um, are to sort of describe me. I am equal parts word nerd and data junkie. <laughs> so word nerd and data junkie, okay? And so on the word nerd side, um, people really know me for the work that I do to help them with strategic brand storytelling. Um, at Silver Tree Communications, our tagline is be meaningfully different. And that's what we help our clients do is to understand how they are different from the competitors or alternatives that they compete against. Um, and not just how they're different, but how they're meaningfully different in the minds of the customers and the influencers. And sometimes that comes all the way down to um, sort of big, simple things. So something a lot of people joke about um, and others don't know about us is that when people come to us at the startup phase, we almost always change the name of their company. Oh. And that's a really difficult emotional conversation, as you might imagine. Mm -hmm. So we have folks who will come to us and they're launching a big cloud computing company or what have you. And, and here's our name. Um, and it's, you know, it's trademarked and we own all the, the domain names and we've set up the email and, um, and, and we say, that is a horrible name. Um, and <laughs> so I would say when we're involved in naming a company or a product or a service line um, or titling a book, um, I would say probably 80% of the time, um, we do not recommend that the client stick with what they had in mind originally. Mm -hmm. um, so there really are a lot of sort of marketing filters to sort of put a name through to think about. Um, <clears throat> absolutely, can you have a generic name and make it work in the marketplace? Can you have a strange name or a complicated name? You know, Google, Yahoo. PricewaterhouseCoopers, <laughs> GlaxoSmithKline, right? Absolutely. Um, but some of those companies, um, didn't turn a profit for seven years, 10 years. Yeah. Some of those companies spent billions of dollars to build their brand in the marketplace. To be fair, most of my clients don't have that kind of money, those yeah. kinds of investors or that kind of time. Right. Um, so you have to be really, really clear about what you do, right? So there's this um, 
uh, they're not a client of ours, but a, one, something that comes to mind is there's this, this dog chew, this uh, sort of toy for dogs, and they're really, really durable. Um, and they're made by an agricultural company. And they're actually the bushings that go sort of between components of a wheel. Um, they were not designed to be dog, tool, uh, dog toys, and but they dropped one on the floor one day at the office and it bounced. And one of the office dogs like grabbed it and ran off with it. And they realized these are actually really safe, durable toys for dogs. And so now they sell them, you know, through all these different um, you know, pet supply avenues. But the product name is called AgraChew. So it's really clear. So every time I need to buy more, because my dogs eventually sort of eat them and they get too small and I have to replace them, I never forget how to Google it because you, yeah. you have to buy them through their site or whatever. I never forget what it's called because it's like, oh, it's that agricultural product that they turned into a chew for dog, agri-chew, like oh, very yeah. clear name. So, so that I think is really um, important. I also am constantly telling consultants um, that if you are the only leader or consultant or principal speaker or what have you, uh, uh, attorney, et cetera, at your firm, um, maybe it just makes sense to name the company after you. Um, mm. That only works if if you're willing to let the company die with you, obviously. Right. If you're going to sell the business at some point, it needs to be more than you. Right. Um, but a lot of times, you know, people, you know, will say, oh, well, I really know uh, Kate Colbert, um, but maybe they don't know the Silvertree brand. So that's important for me to be very, very out front with the Kate Colbert brand. In fact, I'm the first person to admit while I own several companies and they all sort of, you know, start sort of with the word Silvertree or a, a sort of a related um, theme. If somebody doesn't know my company names, but they know me, I'm doing something right. Um, and if, if at some point the companies go away, but I still have a career, that's what I'm in this for. And so I think it's very, very important for people to be thinking about sort of the right name. Um, so that's sort of the word nerd side. Um, and I'm also helping people sort of figure out what makes them meaningfully different. So I chatted the other day with a Beverly Hills periodontist. So she does gum surgery, right? So that's something people are excited to sign up for. Um, and I was talking to her about her difference or meaningful difference. And as I learned more about her, I was surprised to hear that she doesn't have a hygienist, right? You don't usually hear about dentists not having a hygienist. Um, and I asked her, well, why don't you have a hygienist? And she said, well, you know, I'm going to be doing surgery on people, you know, like tissue grafting. And this is a really serious relationship. And people are scared to me when they come, they get referred by a dentist who yeah. says, you know, you have gum disease, you might lose your natural teeth. She's like, it's important to me that they really trust me and feel like they have a relationship with me that I'm not just the person who blows it you know, with the mask on to do the surgery. So she says, so I do all of it because that relationship's important to me. Nowhere on her website did she mention that. Nowhere, um, and, and she thought that maybe it made her less than to not have a hygienist. But I heard her story and I thought, I would go to you because of that. Exactly, because I feel like you cared about every step of the process and you understood that this isn't just a process somebody's going to go through. This is a fearful, emotional experience besides exactly. a painful one. And what does it say about somebody? She's a Harvard-trained surgeon um, and that she doesn't think she's too good to clean your teeth. Right. Um, and right. I, thought, I thought that was really fascinating. So, so that's kind of, a, kind of some examples of what we do on the word nerd side. <laughs> <laughs> on the data junkie side, um, and these two are related um, at some point, um, we really focus on helping our customers live and die by their customer insights. In fact, live and die by your customer insights is principle number two of thinking like a marketer, which is mm -hmm. outlined in my book. Um, 
we always ask our clients to do what we call the ellipsis test. So ask yourself a question that has sort of a unknown or like a wish list or a blank in the middle. So if I only knew dot, dot, dot about my customers, maybe we would be able to charge more. If I only knew dot, dot, dot about what the competitors are up to, maybe I wouldn't have to have six lines of service, but I could just focus on two. If I only knew dot, dot, dot. So what is it you don't know and that you are shooting from the hip about um, as a leader in your company um, that if you knew your employees would be happier, you would be less stressed out, you would be able to focus on the products or services that matter. You might be able to raise your prices or lower your prices, but, but raise your volume sales. What is it you don't know? What we have found is that when we ask our clients to do the ellipsis test, and we usually make them make us two lists, a list of what they think they know about their customers and their clients, and often they're wrong, <clears throat> and what they wish they knew. And then we take the intersection of that what we think we know, um, sort of um, assumptions that need to be validated, and then what they wish they knew. And we take a look at how can we get the answers to those questions. And then we develop market research um, tools to be able to get at that, whether that's uh, surveys of existing customers, whether it's surveys of their competitors' customers or lookalike audiences that sort of sort of hit upon who they want to attract. Um, maybe it's focus groups, maybe it's uh, phone interviews or um, you know, observations of customers. Um, we take a look at that. What we have found is that on that wish list or that ellipsis, 85% of the unknown is knowable. Mm -hmm. And organizations, little ones like yours and mine and big ones like Fortune 500 companies and top 50 research universities are wasting time and they're wasting marketing dollars on hunches Yeah. Um, when they could actually get the facts and then yeah. they could have data-driven decision-making, um, which really, really changes the game. Yeah. <clears throat> it's so interesting. As you were talking, I was like, I have all these wheels going in my head because uh, last week we um, piloted, so I'm piloting with 10 people, this new sales, kind of a self-guided sales coaching uh, program. And, you know, I'm working it out, uh, working out the kinks and luckily I have these people, but I really thought, I assumed that people would want it to also feel like there's some one-on-one -on -one interaction, even though it's self-guided. So I, I had these, you know, elements that everybody got and did and everybody was active. And then Thursday, um, the, there was an assignment and I said, the assignment, when you complete the assignment, that's when you'll get the next lesson, but you don't get it until then. And then, you know, it came out on Thursday, so I didn't see anything on Friday. And then over the weekend, and I thought, because I thought, well, maybe people will do it over the weekend, because I asked them to do a video clip of themselves answering these three questions. And I'm like, and if you don't, you know, if you can't do it on Zoom or whatever, let me know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it together. And I got no responses. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what happened? I assume uh -oh. people would want it to be more interactive, more personal. And what I found out is that my assumption I think was wrong. And so we're going to fix it. I'm not going to be able to fix it till tomorrow, but, um, but I, it's, it's going to be interesting when I, you know, start it back up again and, and try and go back and say, now tell me, you know, what kept you from answering that? Was it too much work? Was it too intrusive? And, you know, it shouldn't have been too intrusive, but it might've been too much work. Well, that's really good information that I didn't have beforehand. Right. I just went off my assumption because <laughs> I thought I knew my customer. Exactly. Well, and I love the fact that you're acknowledging that it's not too late to find out. And I would encourage you to remember that it's not either, or it's not that either they want sort of customized interaction um, 
or they don't. Right. Um, it's possible that what you offered them was in the right neighborhood yeah. that they need, but not quite right. So that maybe it just wasn't meeting them where they are. Right. So, um, you know, and that's one of the things I think um, we all make mistakes on. So think about the colleges and universities maybe you've attended that are constantly inviting you to some sort of alumni event or asking mm -hmm. you to give money. Um, and it's not that you don't love your alma mater, but you don't respond to all of it. And you right. often don't respond to all of it because it may not be your cup of tea. So maybe they're having another, you know, black tie gala event. And you're like, Ugh, I want to put on another cocktail dress, like a hole in the head, right? Like you just don't want to do it. Um, or you're not a sporty person and they invited you back to homecoming and gave you free tickets to the football game. And that might mm -hmm. not be for you, but you love your alma mater they've just not invited you to the right thing yet. Right. Um, and if they're really smart, they'll ask you, what is that right thing? Right. Um, and if there's some good um, consensus among large groups of people who are looking for the same thing, they can start offering that. So um, I think that's super smart. And by the way, there is nothing wrong with piloting something and saying, here's my assumption, let's try this and see if it works with the customers. Right. And what you're doing right is that you're immediately saying, um, the silence seems to be feedback um, yeah. from the marketplace. It actually might not be. It might be that the people you're working with had a really busy weekend, um, you know, right. um, so, so, and then just say, you know, should we be tweaking this? So, and that's one of the things that we talk to our clients about all the time too, and is this concept of how, when you're thinking about your marketing and your branding of your organization or yourself, how to be strategy, religious, and tactic agnostic. Right. So how to know what you're trying to accomplish and sort of the general theme of how you're trying to do that. But knowing that certain things you try aren't going to work and be willing to sort of shift, pivot, change, tweak, um, throw things away, yeah. throw your money at something new. Um, you have to be um, pretty nimble if you're going to market. I agree. And it's been really fun to do this because I've never done anything quite like this. Um, and to really, uh, you know, to, to take some new risks. Um, but I think they're, they're valid risks. I know it's something that we've wanted to integrate. Um, and while I'm doing it, I'm actually being able to create another program right alongside of it that deals with leadership and not sales. And so, um, you know, to be able to create and, and then test, because my whole plan was test the sales one, then test the leadership one, you know, and, and, and measure them up to each other and learn along the way. So it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's really interesting to do that. And I think for the first time, like you and I've talked a lot as you know, where my business had to pivot this last year from going from hundred percent responsible for me getting on an airplane to go somewhere mm -hmm. to building a truly pandemic proof business yeah. or a, you know, or I break my leg business or I win the lottery, but I want my business right. to keep going, you know, right. you know, to build a business or I want to take a three month vacation, you know, to build something that continues and can operate really um, requires data. And it requires a different um, marketing approach and it, and it takes a different kind of diligence, I think, to do it. And had it not been for the pandemic, I frankly probably wouldn't have done it because I was be being fed nicely by, you know, one revenue stream. So, you know, mother yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? It, it sure is. And, you know, and interesting too, because people often say about me the exact same thing that you said when you introduced me is that like, you know, she does a lot of things in the sort of communications and marketing space. Um, and that is true, though, there are a lot of things we don't do. Um, but I also, I think of my company the same way I would think about an investment portfolio. So, 
there are certain things that you offer to the marketplace that there may be demand for now, but there might not be demand for six months from now, or if a pandemic hits, or if you break your leg, or, um, you know, in my case this past year, if you get COVID and you lose your voice, yeah. and if after you recover from COVID and your voice starts to come back, um, you suffer scapular dyskinesia and lose the use of your dominant hand. Um, yeah. So I went four months without being able to use a pen or my keyboard, um, which meant I had put my clients on hold. So, um, so there are a lot of things. Um, so I like a diversified portfolio of services, um, so that I can, um, sort of fill up. So interestingly, if you were to ask me, well, how much of your business comes from market research versus your, um, sort of brand storytelling work versus the book publishing business, it shifts. So, um, you know, in the years where it's running the way I want it to run 50% of our business is market research. It's my, it's my love. Um, you know, um, some years, you know, 70% is the book publishing business because of a bunch of demand from authors. And so it really depends. Um, and we do serve a, a variety of clients. Interestingly, um, and I would say to the listeners of the podcast, if you have sort of two sides of your brain or two sort of sets of passion in your business, and you maybe have two lines of service. So I talked about being a word nerd and a data junkie. You don't have to have two lines of service that never meet. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your magic is when those two things that you love come together. And so ask yourself, you know, is there something I'm offering to this group of clients or customers and something we're offering to this group of client and customers, but there is some sort of like Frankenstein of that. And is that the magic of our company? So, so in the case of us at Silvertree, the intersection of word nerd and data junkie is actually our real magic at Silvertree. And and where those passions and expertise um, come together, that's actually what drives the work we do in writing corporate white papers. Mm -hmm. So you may be surprised to know that um, one of our largest clients is a medical malpractice insurance, um, liability insurance company, and they have just numbers coming out their ears, right? They have data around who sued which doctors or which hospitals or which health systems for what kinds of potential and alleged medical malpractice. And so they've got spreadsheets just coming out their ears. I am nerdy enough, even though I am a wordsmith, I'm nerdy enough to be able to take those, they hand over all those spreadsheets to me and I start swimming around in the numbers and I start saying, there's a story here. And, you know, and so, so I have been able to help produce for them We're working on uh, white paper number six and these have won all kinds of awards in the industry. I'm really proud of this work because it actually saves lives. So the work we do helps identify what are the areas of risk or vulnerability that are happening in emergency departments, um, in obstetrics and gynecology um, practices and maternity wards um, at the regular doctor's office when they're trying to just diagnose what's wrong with you. Um, We take a look at all that. Surgery was a huge one. Um, And we figure out what does the data say what are the stories and themes that come out of that? And then what are the recommendations or sort of game-changing tips that we can offer to a set of customers um, that might change the world? And that's really powerful. So does the work that I do as a pure word nerd change the world? Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Does the work that I do as a pure data junkie sometimes change the world? Yes. But when I merge those two things together, um, I'm saving lives. Um, and that's really meaningful work. So I would, I would challenge listeners to be thinking about, um, is it possible that there is a third? So if you serve two or three or five or six different segments of customers, is there another customer segment that needs a little bit of what you offer in column A and a little bit of what you offer in column B? And if mm-hmm. you 
figured out how to put those together into some sort of offering, is there someone else? Um, and is it potentially a deep pockets um, kind of customer? Um, and that is my experience is when you can bring multiple layers of talent or expertise. So if your company manufactures really fascinating, innovative products or what have you, um, figure out where those things come together and figure out if there is a market you've never served before. And that might be your favorite market yet. You know, this, it's so funny that you say this because um, it's something that I recognize has also come out of this change is, you know, a, a year ago, um, we were a B2B company, you know, so, but the podcast kind of served kind of a B2C and it was yep. just my passion because I figure, you know, from the B2C market, I'm, I'm talking to that professional who wants to be a better leader. They want to get a promotion. Yep. They want to switch careers. So it was interesting that we were B2B focused. Get me on a stage, get me in a company, yep. get me training, right? But I had this little passion project for the podcast. Well, then, you know, we, we took some time off of the podcast to decide how to revamp. So then as we, as a company shifted B2C, to develop our app and have on-demand training for you know professionals in their hands all the time. Not that we walked away from the B2B, but we knew that that wasn't gonna be the same until right. people could start training again, whether virtually or in person. So then the podcast started um, gaining new traction. And I started <laughs> yeah. getting all these really incredibly high caliber people that serve entrepreneurs. And as they would come on board on and be on my podcast, they started listening to the podcast. Now my following has shifted. So I still have a strong following of B2C in terms of like that professional. Yeah. But now we have this whole entrepreneurial following that I never saw coming. And it's really like this whole swift thing where now that the world is starting to turn again, we've got our B2B down. We've got our B2C down. We've got this new, um, you know, kind of tagline into to entrepreneurs and small business owners around the world. Yeah. And I never saw it coming, Kate. And now that I'm here, I'm like, this is so dang much fun. I can't even stand it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, silver linings, right? So there have been a lot of dark clouds um, during the pandemic and a ton of silver linings. I once worked for a president who always said, um, never waste a crisis. Um, yeah. I reported to him um, in 07 um, during the um, uh, recession. Um, and um, every week we were meeting about numbers and, and how sort of horrible the crisis was. Uh, and he was constantly asking us, but what are you learning? Like, what are we, how are we being more nimble? What are we offering our customers now that we wouldn't have before? And how do we make sure we don't stop doing those right things when times get good again. And I think that will be interesting. I do think that true innovative leaders won't just go back to business as usual um, when the pandemic is behind us. They will figure out what they have learned about themselves, about their work style, about the customers they serve, about the products and services they offer, um, about the way they price themselves, everything. Yeah. Um, and, and they will make sure that it sticks. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, I've always loved I've always loved your brand, the sort of concept of shocking your potential. And I think that the pandemic has really shown a very, very bright light uh, on the potential of our businesses and the customers we serve. Um, and now it's up to all of us who have sort of seen it, that light um, to figure out how do we take that potential and do something really powerful, disruptive, shocking um, in the new year. Well, and you know, cause I mean, all my listeners and followers know that, you know, sometime this last fall, you know, I had like this, you know, all, this pity party, this envy party, you know, where I was like, 
oh my God, everybody is more successful than I am with my company. And what no, what nobody knows though, is you're the, you're the one who pulled me out of the darkness <laughs> as I'm texting you going, I'm such a loser. And you're like, you are not a loser. And the pep talk you gave me and the advice you gave me, you know, really hits to everything you just said. You're like, don't waste this crisis. Don't waste this yeah. moment where you're feeling this. Obviously something's trying to change for you. And the reason you're hurting is it's uncomfortable and, right. you know, and that's okay. Just go with it. And I remember at the end of that day, cause I, you, I don't know, thank God you'd like texted me, <laughs> messaged me back and forth. We've voicemails going for like four hours. My husband yeah. kept coming into the room. Cause I just crawled into bed, you know, closed. Yeah. like, are you okay? And I'm like, Hey, let's, let's go grab a beer. Kate got me out of it. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> Yeah, that was right. You know, the whole thing, never waste a crisis because what you learn can be life-changing. It absolutely can. And also remember that, you know, we're in a really unique time. And I think a lot of small businesses are suffering by no fault of their own. And I remember saying that to you over and over again, this is not your fault. A global yeah. pandemic is not your fault. And you may find ways um, to sort of bounce back um, and you may find ways to innovate and do new different things. And even if you don't, that doesn't mean that your company won't come back next year. And, right. you know, something very interesting, we were just looking at the application process for the second round of um, paycheck protection program, the PPP loans. And the requirement, one of the, the sort of three requirements is that you had a fiscal quarter in 2020 in which you your gross receipts were 25% or more less than that same quarter the previous year. Mm -hmm. So that was a sobering moment to sit down and look at our earnings in 2020 versus our earnings in, in 2019. And interestingly, um, our average um, earnings loss in the last two quarters of 2020 versus the previous year were 55%. Our revenue was down by 55%. And here is a shocking thing. So, so that's the data on the spreadsheet. So that's the data on the balance sheet. Here's the data in terms of my day-to-day -day life. Those last two quarters of last year, I was the happiest I've ever been. Ah, uh, yeah. I was the most balanced I've ever been. I lost 30 pounds. Um, <laughs> I got my life back. I, you know, I stopped setting an alarm and I started slept until whenever I wanted to. Um, and I did not lose my house, you know, like the world did not fall apart financially. We just didn't spend as much money on other things. And um, so sometimes that that drive to, you know, earn more than a competitor or earn more than our friend or, you know, what have you, mm -hmm. um, is driving us to do something that's actually not serving us. So um, I have, for the first time in my life through this process, actually learned to listen to my body. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something they don't teach you in business school, but no. they should. <laughs> so true. <laughs> okay. Obviously we can talk forever. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Solopreneurs and small businesses often struggle to create effective digital marketing programs. It's hard to know where to start, what to prioritize, how to sift through confusing information and solutions that seem too good to be true. Agencies and full-time marketing employees are also expensive. And Marketing You is a modern marketing course with all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your business without that extra set of hands or high overhead costs. At And Marketing You, you will learn exactly what you need to do to execute a concrete marketing strategy by dedicating just two to four hours per week. And Marketing You will help you to execute strategy, messaging, content marketing, SEO, social media, paid digital advertising, and more. 
You'll have access to on-demand resources, live courses, group coaching sessions, community forums, and networking, plus the exact templates and tools you need for success. I took this course myself, and one of the greatest benefits we gained was learning to develop a competitive strategy that aligned our social media playbook and website to generate highly qualified leads. For all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your small business at a fraction of the cost of hiring a traditional agency or additional employee, go to www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. Again, that's www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. And use the code SHOCK to receive 10% off of any program. And we are back with the fabulous Kate Colbert. And uh, we have obviously covered a lot of ground. Um, I am asking all my guests this month to, you know, share some top tips to have everybody, you know, really feel like they can gain more traction from their marketing. And even though I laugh and say, you know, could you just give us a little magic pixie dust so we can sprinkle it on everything and our customers will bang down our doors and throw money at us. We know that's not realistic. Um, and I think, you know, especially with your book, Think Like a Marketer, which I have, I, it's it's right here. It's right out of my hands reach. I have it tabbed. I have it written on. I have it highlighted. <laughs> I have it. I you, And I thankfully, you know that that's not a problem. Yep, Don't we all, girl? <laughs> you and I are the same. We like to write in our books because that means we love them. Um, so I know that you've got some great tips. So what are your, what are your top tips for my listeners and viewers? Yeah, I would say right now, but probably forever because the world has changed, um, I would be thinking about how do you make your offerings to the marketplace bite-sized and simplified. Ah. Um, So bite-sized, I'll give you a couple of examples of what bite-sized looks like. So if you were a book author, whether you write business books or you write novels or short stories or creative nonfiction or what have you, how do you think about not only having that long form full book, but what does it look like to turn that into mini books? Mm -hmm. So do the topic. So this year, Think Like a Marketer is actually um, being spun into an ebook series of four um, ebooks only be available on Kindle edition. They're very low cost um, and they're divided into sort of topics. So for people who are really looking to understand um, business storytelling, there's a book for that. Um, people who are really understanding, you know, looking to figure out how to position themselves and have a new mindset for how they make decisions as an entrepreneur, there's a book for that. Um, and so how do you make whatever it is you provide to the marketplace more bite-sized? How do you also simplify? So a really great example of this um, is uh, one of my favorite places to eat in the whole world is a place I've only eaten twice um, because it's hard to get to. I live in southern Wisconsin um, and there is a food truck um, in Alaska, um, in Sitka, Alaska. And yes, it really is just like the, um, the, the, the movie, The Proposal, except you don't really have to put dimes in the machine to get the internet to work, but you do have to go to the library to get access to the internet. Oh. Um, but there's a place called Ashmo's. It's a food truck. The dad is a fisherman. Um, the wife and the kids um, run the food truck during the day. They have maybe four um, uh, offerings on their menu, but it's mostly um, rockfish uh, fish tacos, um, the grilled grilled rockfish tacos, and lobster mac and cheese. Right? Oh, you're making and me people- hungry. It's the best food I've eaten in my entire life. Um, and the, the rock, grilled rockfish tacos are gluten-free. And, um, and people will line up around the street to get them. 
they could be killing themselves with a massive menu, yeah. buying lots and lots of, um, you know, vegetables and uh, all these different products that are going to spoil and go bad if they don't sell mm -hmm. enough of each thing. But they've really doubled down on these just these couple of products. During the pandemic, restaurants have been hit particularly hard. Many of them closed for several months at a time. Yeah. The really smart ones that opened up with curbside service and delivery mm -hmm. opened up and said, yep, our old menu used to have 27 different things. Our new menu has fish tacos and lobster mac and cheese, right? <laughs> um, there, there's actually one restaurant I just heard about, and they have two offerings. They have pork burritos and pork burritos with green sauce. So basically <laughs> one product with or without green sauce. And guess how they're doing? They're killing it. Brilliant. So quit thinking you have to be the same company with the same breadth of offerings. Um, the greatest thing I've ever done in my business was start getting rid of products and services yeah. that we offer. So, yeah. you know, nope, sorry, we don't do website design for customers who aren't existing clients. Nope, right. sorry, we don't do brochures. We don't do tactical marketing. We don't. So many of the things my company was built on, I'm very grateful for those clients. We don't do those things anymore. Yeah. So be thinking about how can you offer more bite-sized products and services. Um, and that means um, bite-sized pricing too, mm -hmm. um, and simplified. Um, so that, that would be my number one top tip. Number two is something you actually touched on. Um, so I love um, that you brought this up. Marry high-touch personalized services with high-tech convenience, right? So you were talking about with this, this program you're doing, how do we have sort of a on-demand course that people can do online, but also have sort of personalized instruction. Um, so how do you marry high-tech personalized services with high-tech convenience? This week, um, we I had experience to see that in action um, through Lurie's Child Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago, um, which is one of the best children's hospitals in the world. Um, I have a friend and colleague whose daughter was in a horrible accident and um, had spinal surgery yesterday. Um, I wanted to be able to send a gift um, to Abby in her room. And so I called the hospital's gift shop, right? So old school, right? I say the telephone is the most underutilized piece of social media. I picked up the phone and I called the gift shop and I said, I don't know what room she is, but here's her name. Let me walk you through what's going on um, and you help me pick the right gift. They ran around the store, grabbed different products, told me I have this kind of stuffed animal and these these particular varieties they gave me all kinds of advice it was absolutely lovely yes i expected them then to say and what's your credit card number yeah. and they didn't they asked me what my email address was and they proceeded to let me know i'd be receiving an email and in that email it would be the order that i had just placed and i could write my my card for Abby, and so I could type out exactly what I wanted it to say instead of hoping they got it right when I transcribed it over the phone. And then I could put in my credit card number um, and pay for it online. And then an hour later, I got an email from this system, from this sort of uh, system they use, I think it's called hospitalgiftshops.com or something, um, letting me know that it had been delivered to Abby's bedside. Oh. And so, so the beginning of the relationship was very, very high touch with a human yeah. being whose voice I would recognize again if I heard it. And the end of it was all handled by technology and it was exactly what I needed. So yeah. I would be thinking about how can you, how do you find the right combination of high touch personalized service and high tech convenience? Um, a lot of people, you know, I'm one of those people who I like to check myself out at the self-check at the store. I'm one of those people who I like to shop online and not have to talk to a real person. I don't, haven't shopped for a bed in a long time, but I'm the kind of person who would love hassleless mattress where you go in and buy a mattress and there's no salespeople. Yeah. Right? So figure out what your customers need and figure out how to provide those two things. And I would say my third top tip is 
finding the perfect balance between giving stuff away and monetizing it. Okay, yeah. so I have a whole chapter in my book on sampling um, for any industry, and then it's followed up with a chapter that essentially says, like, don't give it all away, monetize that shit, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so how do you balance that um, creation of value for your customer by maybe letting them sample you? Your podcast is a really great way for people to sort of see how good you are at facilitation, um, how good you are at shining the light on other experts, how good you are as just an expert yourself. But you need to have services that you charge for. You get on the stage, you do the training, right? Exactly. Um, so, um, and again, I talked about research when figuring out the right monetization, the right price, test it. So yeah. test price sensitivity. We just did a, uh, for an HR consultant and it turned out the services she, she was offering, she's charging way too little for. Now, of course, her existing customers want to pay that small price. Great. They're getting grandfathered in, but guess what? The new customers are going to pay the new price. And guess what? For the new services she hadn't offered yet, we described the services on the survey and we asked the marketplace, what would you, now that you understand what this is, what would you expect to pay for that? Yeah. And the numbers were significantly higher than what she would have <laughs> priced the product at. Um, so really at the end of the day, it's about offering your services or your products at the right price to the right customers with the right story. And when you do that, you're going to work less, you're going to earn more, you're going to, you know, sort of reduce the, the spend that you make on marketing. So you're going to, you know, reduce your cost per acquisition and your overall cost. You're just going to be a whole lot happier. And guess what? If you're doing it right, your customers are going to be happier too. Oh, absolutely. And so will your financial pocketbook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it, Kate. Fabulous advice. And hey, I know we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, including uh, links to your book. Um, but in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, this is the woman for me, uh, whether it's, you know, to publish my book or to give me some uh, marketing strategy, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, so I always encourage people to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm just Kate Colbert on LinkedIn, um, the girl with the red hair. Um, and uh, and then if you're interested in learning more about the book or about me, feel free to check out katecolbert.com um, or just head over to Amazon. The book is available um, in paperback, uh, Kindle edition and audiobook, and yes, Vietnamese and languages too. Um, but um, And if you're interested in the services that our companies offer, uh, silvertreecommunications.com is a good place to start. Excellent. Thank you, Kate. Before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Uh, you know, I would just say that, that th there are two things that you can really be doing. Um, everything is communication. Running a business is, is in, a, in and of itself marketing, whether you're thinking about it that way. So um, be challenging yourself to think about how can you communicate for connection and meaning and not just to transact sales. The transaction of sales comes um, when you create connection and meaning with your marketplace. Um, and how can you be creating cultures and processes that align with your brand? Because if they don't, you will be called out, okay? So you you if you are going to be the Southwest Airlines, you know, of your industry, and you're going to say we're all about good old-fashioned civility and um, relationship and sort of making things easy for our customers. Um, then you must have cultures and processes where you don't charge for for bags, where you know, where you don't get fussy about seat assignments, where the employees, regardless of their job title, help clean up the plane. Um, so be looking at that if you have a very high customer focused brand, um, but it's a pain in the ass to get a hold of you on the phone, um, or there are some things about your culture or your processes that don't align with your brand, fix those. So a lot of people think that 
that the customers out there don't sort of see what's happening on the HR and operations side, they absolutely do. Um, so communicate for connection and meaning, not just to transact sales and find ways to create culture and processes that align with your brand. Amen. Kate, thank you again for being a part of our ma the Magic of Marketing series. And I, as always, appreciate your wisdom. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.